Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. Good morning. It's a morning podcast. We're doing a morning recording. <laughs> this is the earliest, I would say, besides the one time we had to be, we had to Skype with someone in a different country or something. Yeah, right? we're recording early because we are podcasting with uh, a fine comedian, writer, and currently work neighbor, yeah. because... Sarah Silverman's I Love You America, on which he writes, is on the same lot as the Jim Jeffrey show. It's Raj right. Desai. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We are, we're fitting in a quick podcast before work. That's right, yeah. Is uh, Sarah quite the taskmaster? Uh, she actually is, I wouldn't say a taskmaster. She's definitely kind of, um, in a good way, like a perfectionist. That's like cool. She, she wants things done, done right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who else that we might know is working on the show? Any other names you can leak? Um, let's see, uh, who would you guys know? Um, uh, Dave Ferguson is the head writer. He's a birthday boy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tim Kalpakis is a writer. He's a birthday boy. Kyle Dunnigan mm-hmm. is a writer. I bumped um, into Kyle. I didn't know he was on the show. I bumped into him yesterday on the lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure he knows he's on the show either. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a fun guy. Um, just, uh, do you, you guys know him at all? Yeah, I know through yeah, yeah, yeah. listeners probably know Professor Blastoff. Oh, that's I right. Some yeah, overlap yeah, yeah. probably. Anyway. With yeah, he's one third of Professor Blastoff right. along Tiggs, with Tignataro. Takes long time yeah. writing partner. He's a big science guy, but he is just like um, it's funny how much he is. He's just a very well read guy, and then can't organize. Like I'm convinced he doesn't know how to use Google Drive. Still, anyway, this is common in my in my short time here in LA. On every job, I have uh, people are so smart, and then they don't know like the most basic things well, about organizing. Yeah. Well, there's also yeah. some, and we were, we were talking. We got onto the conversation yesterday about there's a gr- there's a subset of comics, and bless them for existing. But there's a certain group of comics who could not exist if comedy didn't. Like, like would right. would be I straight up hobos. Right. I think like you're right. I, I'm straight. not like that. I, I I get the feeling neither of you two are. But it's funny how many people I'm like. If you that didn't is have comedy, you could it. not yeah. exist in society. Yeah. And the cruelest thing about the business is it's not a traditional job where you just show up, clock in, yeah. and then it's easy to do your taxes at the end yeah. of the year because you had one job. It's the most this complicated is, job to have. This is and one of my le- like I, I freaking hate this. Like the people in the entertainment industry who often end up in this business because we're not good at sort of the yeah. nine to five fitting yeah. into things, yeah. have more admin and more... <laughs> true. You mean what I was just saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what, that yeah. I, I, was, I was backing up <laughs> what you were yeah. saying rather than going, and I have a different point. No, I'm like, I fully agree. Like, yeah, we it's, ha- it's, it's crazy because it, my, my taxes last year, it took me, I just spent a week, I'm late even on the extension, and it was the most complicated year of my life yeah. because it's like seven We have different 50 things. different types of jobs. Yeah, yeah. If you're a road comic, then in America, you have taxes in every state that you've performed in. Yeah. Let's leave that to the people who can't, who couldn't do high school math and therefore fell into this job. Yeah, let's make them have to do this at the end of the year. Whereas if you work in an accountancy firm doing taxes professionally, then you've just got, oh, this is my income, these are my expenses, that's my one piece of paper, <laughs> done. One, yeah, you get a single W-2, or I can't even keep the form straight, I always forget. It's a W-2 you get at the end of the year from like a regular job, right? It's even more fun yeah. if you happen to be from and work in different countries. God. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I do pity those. Uh, uh, yeah, I try to have 
sympathy when I'm at a job where I'm like, I know I can make this run better, but also if I say something, people are just going to get mad because they're doing it the way they've been doing it. And yeah, it's- yeah. I I think there's has to be like you have to let the people in charge make the decisions yeah. about how they want to run things. Yeah. We we've we've got to keep this relatively yeah. short because yeah, yeah, yeah. we've both got to get to work. So yeah. let's jump straight into asking the question we ask before we get into stories every week, which is sure. what's your background in science? Oh well, uh, I actually was a biochemistry major in college, so I do have that. Uh, I actually have a uh, my name is on a published paper in the Journal of Chromatography A. Oh, nice! I don't think I could really tell you much about the paper anymore, unfortunately. Legally. No, because uh, I it was about bile salts and my cells. Um, I kind of half-assed my way in. I kind of worked like a little bit in this lab, uh-huh. and then they had to put my name on it. <laughs> I don't think I really. Can you tell us about chromatography generally, or? Oh my god, I I'm like mildly embarrassed. I can't. I it is a separation technique. For- <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what Wikipedia says. Yeah, yeah. Well, chromatography. <laughs> I remember chromatography first. Like you learn, you learn about it in like junior school science first. The version of it you learn okay. in that is where you dip some blotting paper into some ink, and it, and the the ink, the different things that constitute <laughs> uh-huh. the ink or the dye okay. creep up the yeah. paper okay. at different speeds, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it separates in, yeah. separates into different colors. Yeah, yeah. I think that and is. And then the, the basic next thing version. you encounter it, like I remember, like. I think airports have gas chromatography machines to look for. Oh, yeah, I think I it's that. chromatography that it uses the um, the the things that detect the chemical. You know, when when you're like when they sometimes swipe your hand and put it in the little machine mm-hmm. and see if it has any traces of explosives oh, or anything okay. like that. Oh, that and you get sense. the little you get the little yeah, peaks yeah, and yeah, things. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that uses. That's got to be probably yeah yeah. But yeah. I think it's all based on the same principle of of like a, a much more complicated version of the blotting paper. I think and it the is. Thing. It it's is. Just, yeah, yeah. Different things within a. If you have a mixture, if you have something that's made of the, not a not a compound, but a mixture mm-hmm. of gases or liquids or substances in some way, it will travel through media various mediums at different paces. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the case of the blotting paper, the very simple primary school version, it just um, yeah, like the the dark blue ink will travel. Faster than faster than the red ink or whatever, and it separates that way into little layers. Mm -hmm. This was I'm sure that is not what you were doing in the slightest. This was called capillary electrophoresis, and it was used to study um, bile salts and bilirubin. Okay, which, in um, what? bile salts and bilirubin. Bilirubin is um, produced by the gallbladder as our bile salts. And I think bilirubin, if you have too much of it, that's how you get jaundice. So I think it was like, Oh my God. I used to, I presented this paper a couple of times. This is embarrassing, (laughs) but, uh, but this was also like a fair number of years (laughs) ago. This was like 20 years ago or something a long time ago. So, I mean, it is kind of like, I am personally very grateful I majored in science, but uh, in a, in natural science. But to pretend like I remember much about it is it's fine. No, I, it's, I don't yeah. expect anybody to. Oh, it's like kind of a bummer to think like I <laughs> I don't remember anything about it very well at all anymore. But well, well but, it was there was a hundred grand spent a yeah, long time ago. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, who, yeah. who 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 that even does do a job related to their 
it, their major probably remembers their major. You know, like even I, that's you, true. My dad is actually a chemical engineer, and he can't tell you a lot because he you yeah, end up sure specializing, right. and then you or can't getting remember pushed up the managerial yeah. chain, and then yeah. yeah. So he can't tell you a lot of sort of basic bench work chemistry either. We're not going to hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to find... I'm searching Journal of Chromatography A. Oh, try my full name, Rajan, R-A-J-A-N. A-J-A-N. Yeah, let's see if that pulls it up. Is this it? Hang on, Bilirub... Wait a second. Bile salt, micellar electric kinetic... That's it. I mean, I, that's not like a link to the paper, but that's definitely like what it's about. Um... Ironically, yeah. ironically, Jordan Rubin that's did a it. paper about uh, Billy Desai. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really unlikely. Yeah, yeah, that's the abstract. You uh, found yeah. it. You I actually found, found I've, it. I've completely found it. It's not uploaded. You can request the PDF. It's not there. <laughs> it looks like it has two citations in twenty. No, <laughs> I don't. Um, but the 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 uh, professor I worked for, she's she's a pretty big deal in analytical chemistry now i think okay. she works like the nih or something would you say so. she's the sarah silverman of uh, sure yes uh, yes of <laughs> analytical chemistry yeah yeah Her well yeah. is uh, michelle bushy a very nice principal investigator and uh yeah there we go the interaction of bilirubin biliverdin bilirubin dimethyl ester bilirubin dimethyl there's a whole run of chemicals i'm not going to do the whole thing any of this the capacity factor of each compound is measured in solutions of the different bile salts over the ph range 6.5 to 9 (laughs) the capacity factor of bilirubin increases with ph below 7 in all bile salt solutions which i think i already knew uh (laughs) bilirubin and xanthobilirubin show essentially identical capacity factors for all bile salts bilirubin dimethyl ester and xanthobilirubin methyl ester also have very similar capacity factors which are greater than those of the that's a weird uh weird characters have come into this text that i'm sure weren't Mm -hmm. meant to be there a carry analogs in trihydroxy bile salts oh my god the capacity factor of these esters are higher in the dihydroxy bile salts with a capacity factor of biloverdin dimethyl ester being twice that of xanthorubin methyl ester Factors involved in the MEKC analysis of these compounds are discussed. That this paper is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. Just dripping with that was your life. Absolutely. How, many, how many years was that? Uh, undergrad, like just um, I want to say sophomore, junior year. I worked in this lab, and I, I was a biochemist. You have, you know, you work in a lab, and kind of oh. kind of got lucky. The timing was there to publish this paper, and then so, so you were literally doing grunt work for a research scientist bench because work, you were, yeah, 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 basically running. God, I. I mean, it's a whole machine. It's an expensive machine. Like yeah. there's a lot of scientific with this capillary electrophoresis machine, and uh, we would, from what I can gather from the abstract, we would run. We would see the the capacity factor is how how well bile salts are micelles. So that means that they're, they're like soap. They are hydrophilic on the uh, outside and hydrophobic on the inside which oh, is why soap right. is cleans up grease because grease does not dissolve in water but soap will get grease off because the grease will go inside the soap oh that's right I vaguely yeah. remember that from that's a that. oh, school okay. chemistry it's like the yeah the, like, like a one way it's, it's like the molecule it's like the molecule has two different in inside it it does not like water outside. It likes water. So like basically. one bit of it grips yeah. to the water and one yeah. bit of it grips to the oils. Yeah. yeah. 
and and so because of that it can it breaks up the oils yeah oh, okay and i think if i could be totally wrong here which is sad i think bilirubin is also does not dissolve in bile or or you know so it uses bile salts to God, I could be totally wrong. And then I, I think we use bilirubin related compounds like biliveridin, which you pointed out, to measure capacity factor, which is how how uh, strong the connection was between the bile salt and the bilirubin and its related compounds to figure out how to treat, um, I guess, gallstones and okay. Billy jaundice. Um, Oh, now I'm just embarrassed. <laughs> I, I never knew how John. I, all I, I, I knew. Was, I could be. This is like. This is not even likely science. This is not even. This <laughs> we, is. We've gone well. No, I, I love that. This. If if you were to question me on my undergraduate degree as well in any detail, like oh, yeah, like my I, I did a math mathematics undergrad yeah. and my I'm basically first year of A level student. I think I can just about keep pace with now. Yeah, if Which I had to like, do any kind of like circuit diagram stuff right now, I, I could not. I, I was an electrical engineer and I have shocked myself yeah. many, many times as wow. an adult. Okay. So yeah. okay. <laughs> Including Jeez. right now. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys, like, our listeners can't. Andy's got a battery right now and he, we can't stop him from, like, stop licking it, Andy. Oh, no, it tastes so good. <laughs> I know it makes it makes your tongue tingle. Metal. <laughs> it's delicious. It really is, though. Like, there's nothing. It is a joy. The Licking a time, nine volt battery yeah. is, is, a, is a treat. You can't not try it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if any listeners life. haven't tried it, go, yeah, go grab it. It tastes of metal and fizz. It's <laughs> fizzy metal. See, I've always thought gas smells good. A lot of people are anti-gas. Oh, right? farts. No, like a like whatever petrol. Gasoline. Yeah, gasoline. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, you meant yeah. like the stuff that they not put farts. into. <laughs> At, like natural gas from like the stove, the chemical. Oh, the uh, chemical yeah, they put yeah, into yeah, that yeah, so you no. can smell it. That not so much, but gas. It is. Yeah, I used to love. I, I, less so now, but I remember. Yeah, I was a really? kid. I really liked the smell of yeah. yeah going to the petrol station and. Oh, well, my cousin, my my aunt and uncle walked in on him um, with his face covered in kerosene when he was very little. Uh, his face covered in kerosene that uh-huh. he had just drank because <laughs> oh my apple God. juice. Oh. Apple juice. Oh. Like, oh. No, that's not oh, apple juice. What do you do? Do you then just burn it out of him? I think you have to just let it burn. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, one of those control You light his tongue fires. like a yeah. like a kerosene lamp and then you oh. leave him outside for a bit. <laughs> oh. And the good thing and is he that joined keeps, the circus. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps away mosquitoes as well. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, that's my citronella cousin. I'm sorry. You're thinking of a different... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, hey, we got quite a few cool letters before we get into stories because we got quite a few people write. We like it when people write in with corrections or clarifications. Just another update on the gold stuff for starters, because we were asking what the value was of gold. And Simon, is it was it Simon Martindale? It's one of our Simons. Um, you check this out while I read, because so, another little piece of why gold was traditionally a value was first, it's very stable. So uh, something that's completely stable and never changes is useful as a currency. Uh, like a rust or anything or change its c- percent composition yeah. of... Yeah. It now has value for things like um, various electronics. Um, but also, for thousands of years, any fine metal tools like tweezers, uh, especially anything that interacted with human skin, like jewelry or surgical tools, was made of gold, uh, which automatically gives it value. Apparently, the British history, the British Museum has a... F- Pharaoh's uh, royal nose pickers as well. Oh, <laughs> nice! So there you go. 
Go and see some nose pickers in the museum. You know, it probably gets pretty dry in the desert for the pharaoh. You oh know, my God, you the gotta like pharaoh boogers. Yeah, gotta they've got to be like little pieces of scarabs <laughs> up in there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> also, um, oh, a listener. Yeah, should we get into this whole? Because we got talking about um, placebos and generic medication. We got a couple of cool letters about this. One was from um, listener Claire Drew. Because one of the things we were talking about was generic versus real brand medicine. Mm-hmm. And Which is different from placebo effect. I mean, like the, yes, obviously. but people claim that you know, we, we I will always go for the generic brand because why the hell not? Yeah, it's I usually cheaper, do too. Or often free with. I, I used Waltus in a couple weeks ago and said, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and Claire used to work in quality control as a chemist for a generic pharmaceutical company, and they make them with as close to the same ingredients as the original product. She says, I used to find it stupid when people wouldn't use a generic medicine. Since then, I had a boyfriend who was epileptic, and his neurologist told us he needs the original brand tablets rather than a generic brand. I asked why, and she said, they don't know, but some people react differently. I'm on antidepressants and have once taken generic and have taken generic medicine for that, but once had a brand which did not work well for me. I told the pharmacist about it and could tell they were skeptical, but of all people, I was always pro-generics. Now I think it depends on the product. So that's Man. interesting. Yeah, but I can't imagine a more subjective thing to decide it on than psychiatric medicines, you know? It, it is tough. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. But then um, that brings us to this other email, which came from Michael Marshall, who's part of the Merseyside Skeptics Group. And it turns out that the... Um, placebo science might not be as real as we thought we, we were talking in the last couple of episodes about mm-hmm. how and this is partly something i read in ben goldacre's book from a couple of years ago uh ben goldacre of who does the bad science book and websites mm-hmm. and everything and is a doctor and epidemiologist and he had the whole piece about how the placebo effect is not only real but is is subtly uh is, is actually sort of empirical and subtle in terms of things like uh, red pills are more effective at pain release than blue pills, even if they're both sugar oh. pills. Hmm. And inje- placebo injections are more effective than um, uh, um, a placebo pill. Yeah. And apparently, there's been some various sort of meta-analysis and and large studies. By the way, I want to distance myself from this because I don't want people to think that, like whatever the most recent thing we see, yeah. the thing that we now say is is gospel. Because there's probably a lot of digging there really one would is. have to do to have. A, a Michael recommends an episode of this. the Skeptics with a K podcast where his colleague goes into it in in detail. Um, but yeah, here are some of the comments, and again. If you know more about these, please write in. This but is per listener, Michael, Michael Marshall, not of the necessarily good, the views. Of the Good Thinking Society up in that there, Liverpool in England. Um, there is no study that shows any reliable significant placebo effect in anything objective. Placebo effects only seem to appear in subjective, self-reported outcomes, essentially questionnaires. Um, the data suggests red pills are be- the data that suggests red pills are better than blue pills for pain is based on a misreading of a few studies. Uh, the placebo effect has been pretty comprehensively downgraded, diminished, or even debunked by the Cochrane Collaboration's later meta-analysis. The Cochrane uh, Society is this is the society that specifically does. It's made up of 
distinguished doctors and researchers and does nothing but meta-analysis of studies. So they take... Which means no studies mm. themselves, but reevaluating. Exactly, mm. exactly. They, they sort of look at... What they do is they, they go, okay, we want to try and investigate once and for all whether this, has an, this thing has an effect or whether this thing does something. So they then go through all of the studies and all of the research papers that have been published, mm-hmm. and they first... And they weight them according to how rigorous and well carried out and large, large, sample, size large sample and exactly they are. And they do some very complicated statistical analysis. And then they say, according to our and meta study. Certified fresh. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. It's the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but it's more the Metacritic. Right. I was going to say, it was Metacritic, but it sounds too much the same anyway. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what they do. So. The study that shows that placebo knee surgery is as effective as real knee surgery when it comes to arthritis has been entirely misunderstood. It actually taught surgeons not to do that type of knee surgery because it isn't effective. <laughs> and since that study, the surgery is no longer performed for that region, reason. Yeah, that's a, if you were showing that doing nothing is as good as, as a certain kind of surgery, to, to take that to mean that doing nothing was something is an interesting angle, but it should have just been, this probably isn't surgery we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the study that shows placebo inhalers are effective as real as effective as real ones for asthma actually measures four or five different things: lung capacity, exercise, duration, heart rate, and a self-reported study as to how the participants felt on their inhaler. In all but the self-reported questionnaire, the placebo effect uh, inhalers performed about the same, and the real inhalers showed a clear and distinct improvement. So the only one of the metrics that it showed an improvement on was the self-reported one, the actual measurable. Okay. quantifiable mm. ones and then I asked about I thought the one that there was a study that involved uh, ulcer size which is something that's pretty empirical yeah yeah and Michael replies to say it's the study that proved that gastric ulcers heal faster when you take four placebo fills r- rather than two ones it was a meta-analysis by Daniel Mormon who was an anthropologist apparently it was the paper was a meta-analysis of papers published between 1977 and 1980 which is was before we knew what ulcers were caused by. Um, really? Yeah, which... This is a this is a pretty amazing story. Um, this Australian scientist... It's like what, a rare example of a maverick scientist <laughs> actually pr- being proven right. Had the theory that... Did this guy win a Nobel Prize? I think so, yeah, yes. Yeah, I remember Did reading about this Did he tie some weather guy? balloons to a lawn chair? Is this the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and he had, and, and the machine went forever, right. therefore proving that all of the energy companies in the world are in a global conspiracy to okay. stop his perpetual motion <laughs> yeah. machine from ever happening. Yeah. That man's name, Yahoo Sirius. <laughs> uh, I'd love to know how many times Yahoo, Yahoo Sirius has been mentioned on this show. Yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> hey, lo- he lives, at least. Yeah. Yeah. His legacy um, lives on. He had the theory that ulcers were caused not by just stress or things like that, but by bacteria. Oh, bacteria. Uh, And couldn't get funding or enough people to um, believe him to have a clinical trial. Mm -hmm. So he took some of the bacteria, drank it, gave himself an ulcer, took antibiotics, cleared up the ulcer. Wow. Jeez, that's uh, and crazy. Then, yeah, I'm not sure I would go down that road if I. Uh, mm. No, got to be some other way, isn't there? Some um, milkmaid's child nearby. <laughs> yeah, can, uh, some yeah. some gardener's son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edward Jenner style. 
Oh. I mean, that really is, you know, the only difference between what him and Edward Jenner did for <laughs> smallpox is he at least had the integrity himself. to test it on himself yeah. rather than the child of one of his staff. <laughs> yeah, wait, the milkmaid, that's a different thing, right? No, 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 that is the thing, but it, the milk... That's what made him think of the connection because the milkmaid... Yeah, and, it, and it, I don't think it... Apparently, it wasn't him who first posited the connection. So, it, this is smallpox. I actually, I actually talk about this on stage sometimes, but smallpox... Yeah which, very fatal, you might know of it as the thing that terrorists have. Sure. Uh, and sometimes yeah. threaten to unleash. But milkmaids wouldn't get smallpox because they got cowpox. Oh, that's right. Okay. Which is a related but far less dangerous condition. Um, okay. Smallpox, very, very often fatal. Cowpox, rarely fatal. And the word vaccine, vodka, Latin comes from cow. cow. Oh, That's okay. why we get the word vaccine and vaccinate. Okay. So... His theory was if you give someone if you give someone cowpox, you will inoculate them against smallpox. Mm-hmm. And the way he did that was to take some pus from a milkmaid who had cowpox uh, okay. from the pox, and then just injected it into his gardener's son. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I did not know that. Was uh, like the eighteen hundreds, James, uh, late seventeen hundreds. Okay. Oh, that's longer back than I thought. Oh, uh, okay. James Phipps, I believe, was his name, and wow. he might need to check that. Was the name of the kid, and then, and then once he'd done that, he then injected the boy with smallpox. Oh God! Whoa. Oh. And the boy didn't die, and now he. Edward is Jenner a is a hero of our time. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like he didn't talk to the gardener and be I like, don't know I do exactly the know. conversation yeah. that happened, but either <laughs> way, if you had you're still in a position of power. There's a Weinstein thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely like yeah. a, I employ. This is the late 1700s. I employ oh. your, yeah. I employ your you and your family. So I'm going to. I'm pretty sure this won't murder your son, but so let's yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. Boy, that's crazy. And yeah, so ulcer. Wait, so ulcers. You were saying were an example of a thing people thought you could point to an empirical effect uh, of placebos. Okay, no. Out- so the paper found that placebos healed gastric ulcers at rates across the study that ranged from ten to ninety percent, which has a range so wide that any researcher should stop and think hard about whether it's a real effect. The paper came to the mad conclusion after seeing that. Six of the ana- analyzed studies from Germany showed a much stronger effect in the placebo arm than the other studies. The placebo effects are more powerful in Germany than elsewhere. What his analysis missed, because there was no way of knowing at the time, and because he arguably went in with an agenda to find this result, that the placebos were the antibiotics were often abused during the 1980s and handed out like smarties. The problem was that particularly bad in Germany apparently where they would give out antibiotics for pretty much anything. Because the papers didn't know that ulcers were bacterial, they didn't bother to ask patients if they were taking antibiotics, so there was no control for that. Um, so that. So even that study has huge potential problems. Yeah. So placebo effect may well not be... Um, nearly as real and we'll post a link to that to the merseyside skeptics episode as well that has that piece apparently starts about half an hour in that particular mention that study would we still consider it a real thing if the only things that it affects are those patient reported things like pain levels because that, to that person there's still some benefits well so the, yeah i think use for the term almost for- i think that there is something to that there is something to when we talk about the benefits of alternative medicine, even if it can't improve empirical things like 
um, uh, shrinking a tumor, shrinking mm-hmm. an ulcer or whatever. There is something to just feeling better and feeling in a good frame of mind, and just like I've, I've talked about this on the show before. Um, how when my dad, uh, quite a while back now, had treatment for cancer, he he went to a naturopath who gave mm-hmm. him some green shit to drink, mm-hmm. and he he asked me about it like, oh, you probably think this is all nonsense, and I was like, well, if it if this makes you feel good and you're you are checking with your oncologist, which he was, that he was telling the oncologist everything he was. T- I think he did acupuncture as well, mm-hmm. and he was like test checking with the oncologist to um, make sure that there was no interaction between this green shit and yeah. the medicine that he was being given by the professional right, right. medical scientist. Then why not? Like, yeah, fuck, go for it. If this this helps you feel like you're taking control over the situation and keeps your morale up and just puts you in a better frame of mind, then, yeah, do whatever makes you feel good. And it's when they start making fantastical claims or taking people away from real empirically tested medicine or anything right. like that, then I'm like, no, fuck you. But even yeah. his naturopath was like, no, you make you check. This is what we're giving you, and go and check, check with your with oncologist yeah. and your team to yeah. make sure that this is all good. I agree. I mean, I, I think I do things that might have a placebo effect of some sort. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, uh, I, I mean, I think if I, I, I don't know. I, I think I do like whatever hot showers, you know, or something. I mean, that's, what do you, mean? <laughs> you know, like you think like, oh, my achy muscles will feel better. Oh, okay. I don't know. Or like a sauna or something. Is it really, I, I have no idea. Or like stretching. Some people say isn't really that great of a. Some people think it's good. Some people don't. For 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 pain or just for general for fitness or both, I guess. Oh, some people say it's like is there an anti-stretching movement. I don't know. There's an anti-everything movement, <laughs> so right, I don't yeah. know. But uh, I I wonder how much stuff I if I like take like Dayquil if I feel like oh I got to my day okay because I took it or because it really did help and I'm sure it helps but like. How much is it is like mental? I don't yeah, know. yeah. When it comes to colds, like when I start to feel a cold coming on, I'm like, okay, I'll take vitamin C, but I know there's no possible way if I'm if I have this, I have it. You right? I don't think vitamin C is going to stop right? it from yeah, coming. Yeah, vitamin on. C like, is a good one, right? Yeah. And I just feel like that's a, if I want to take some action. So yeah. I'm do that. Actually, yeah, listeners, I, I haven't even looked this up. This is probably very easy to bunk or debunk. Can you rebunk something? <laughs> I you, think you can. You can debunk it. Can Why not? Uh, yeah. Been debunked. Yeah, like is vitamin C? Is there anything to to vitamin C? Is that well? There's definitely something to (laughs) vitamin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yes, you don't want scurvy. Um, Oh, right. That's right. Scurvy. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, But I don't know about the cold. What do you do when you start? It's called called limeys because they have rum on the boats. When you get when you feel a cold coming on, what do you do, Matt? (sighs) I will I'll, I'll occasionally find myself. Like drinking orange juice or something, and then I go, Emergency. "What are you doing?" You're yeah. probably like uh, you. Almost certainly, if you have a reasonably balanced diet, you're getting enough of most of the vitamins and minerals. Yeah. Huh? What about? Uh, uh, wasn't airborne? Isn't that kind of like oh, that's the nonsense. backyard science? Yeah, like that's some... absolute nonsense. But people, like I know so many people airborne? who swear by it. I thought it was a teacher, no, or was it? A... Yeah, I think Someone it was like some science teacher often... behind. Oh, a science yeah. teacher. I don't, I don't think know, it's but that like, science-y. but it's yeah, it's absolute bullshit. Yeah, people go, you fly a lot, so you're exposed to a lot of different germs, and mm. which that bit of it is true. Yeah. Okay, you're in. I'm sure. You're a in an enclosed environment with not much air circulation, and yeah. b you are, and also probably badly clean. But particularly that now, how quickly they turn around planes. Yeah, 
like fuck knows how many strains of awful bacteria on the trays that that we then eat our food off that's making you have uh, fewer allergies yeah it's like uh, it's strengthening your whole system there's definitely that thing as but that thing where you meet when you come into contact with people from different regions yeah and you're exposed to various strains of various diseases that you haven't built up immunity to it's like first like first day of college yeah, you know that thing where everyone gets everyone gets ill in the first week of. <laughs> Is that a thing they say? I didn't know that, but okay. Oh, uh, in sure. Britain they call it freshers' flu. Oh, oh and it's, really? It's a th- a thing where, and again, I this could be entirely not empirical. I might I don't or know how measurable British? it is. Is it something about? But it? the idea the idea is you all these people who've come from different regions of the country suddenly arrive in the same very like small space and all interacting in right. close quarters and you haven't built up an immunity to your local the been, local strain of cold right you've been you've been raised on different strains of gruel right exactly <laughs> yeah so all your stomach can't quite cope with it <laughs> yeah. um we've been all readers letters i think we only really have time for one or maybe two stories did you have a favorite andy Do you want to talk about the fact that uh, the extinction of the dinosaurs might have been what allowed mammals to come out during the day yeah i like that story I didn't know that that was the case um but yeah long-standing suspicion seems to have been confirmed mammals like us spent their first hundred million years in the dark and only came out in daytime when the dinosaurs disappeared this is an article on newscientist.com that was sent in by paul steenbeek um yes uh it's the first time we have we've had a firm date for this change the first mammals to truly embrace the daytime were simians our ancestors so the first uh mammals evolved over 100 million years ago but most remained small while dinosaurs ruled and most dinosaurs rule (laughs) (laughs) many paleontologists uh think early mammals were nocturnal only coming out at night nowadays many mammals are active in the day diurnal is the term for that and um Yet most have eyes and ears adapted to darkness. For instance, most mammals have a thin reflective layer at the back of the eye that helps them see in the dark and which causes the eye shine of cats caught in car headlights. That's thought to be a hangover from nocturnal ancestors. However, that idea is hard to test because eyes don't fossilize. I never thought about that. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Everything's soft tissue. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Roy Maor or Roy Mayor at Tel Aviv University in Israel and his colleagues uh, compiled data on the activity habits of 2,415 living mammals. They then aligned this with the mammal family tree and reconstructed the likely activity patterns of modern species' extinct ancestors. For instance, if two closely related mammals are nocturnal, their common ancestor probably was too. They found daytime activity only appeared 65.8 million years ago with a few hundred thousand years within a few hundred thousand years of the mass extinction 66 million years ago that killed all the dinosaurs barring birds uh, that supports the nocturnal bottleneck hypothesis the dinosaur extinction opened up new opportunities for mammals particularly daytime foraging um, because the date because the team used the largest data set on extant species yet published they could date when many mammal groups became diurnal says chris heasy at midwestern university in glendale arizona um i haven't heard this term before so cathemeral cathemeral yeah, activity which is both at day and uh, at night and in the day started to appear first that's you right Andy right yeah yeah you know sometimes I'm a party animal yeah. sometimes I'm like I'll come yeah. out I'll, I'll do a podcast at 9am you will <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know you're still wearing your you're still wearing your disco shorts <laughs> right <laughs> uh, still got a little bit of face makeup a little, little if you you're know those me, I'm just, still got your wall paint I'm, I'm just a 90s club kid me <laughs> and uh, that guy from the Maury Povich show always hanging out murdering people <laughs> 
What's that guy's name? Is it? Michael? I don't know this. There's a movie about him, isn't there? Was oh, really? Macaulay Culkin in it? Some... Party Monster was the movie. Yeah, I think there yeah. was a party guy who liked to do a lot of party drugs and kill people. I forgot mm. what the reason yeah. was. Maybe it was just one fight amongst. Uh, pe- maybe there was down to the last pacifier, and they yeah. had an all-out brawl. I don't know how that worked. Um, so yeah, cathemeral activity. Much like 90s party kids, uh, club kids. Nobody knows why, but there is evidence that dinosaurs were declining long after their final doom. Long before their final doom makes more sense. So mammals may have emerged emerged into the day gradually, too early. Uh, The first cathemeral species was a hoofed mammal, which was the ancestor of cows, deer, and hippos, plus whales and dolphins. It probably ate plants, and daytime grazing may have helped it digest food by warming up its stomach bacteria. I find that weird as well. Like The fact that... And I did know this, but the fact that a land hoof mammal was the ancestor of whales. That was fascinating, yeah. Yeah, you don't think of them as going back into the water. I think of, you know, whatever fish coming and getting lungs. Yeah, but you sort of go like, even when when they say, when you learn years ago that whales and dolphins are mammals, not Mm -hmm. fish. Oh, Oh, so every sea mammal came back from the land i think that's, that's yes, right that's what this is suggesting which i never put thought that's about, the about case. That either yeah. again listeners please write in and correct us if we're wrong but yeah it looks like they, so they sort of gained legs and then lost legs again right which okay that makes sense for why dolphins are so smart right i guess yeah if they were kind of more yeah. evolved or yeah yeah um, yeah, but I guess, so this cathemeral activity, the day and night stuff, was uh, unstable, says co-author Henry Ferguson Gao, University College, London, UK. You see high rates of transition out of that state, but not into it. Perhaps they were just starting to exploit the daytime niche. Um, so then, yeah, about 52.4 million years ago, the first mammal group to become exclusively diurnal, the simian primates, those came about, and... Um, that may be why they're the only mammals with a visual system adapted to daytime foraging. Uh, yeah. They can distinguish red and green, which may help them spot ripe and unripe fruit. Hmm. Yeah, so red, green, colorblind people, not good not green good graces. Good. Don't, send them, <laughs> yeah, don't send them out to Whole Foods. Yeah. Ah, you come back with a non-ripe apple again. Yes, stupid colorblind. <laughs> There is one simian group that returned to the dark, the night monkeys of South America. I didn't know there was a monkey called a yeah, night okay, monkey. Wow. Yeah. They have large eyes to cope. I'm going to bring up a picture of this guy. I want to see if it's what I'm picturing. While you do that. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I want to thank some people because we had some donations coming in. Do it. To the Squarespace Power Probably Science.com website. People clicked on the donate button. They include Brooks Gilmore, Patrick Adam Chalkley, uh, Callum Gleason, Pandora Young, Drew Chapman, Matthew Arnold, Stephen Edmonds, Keith Staddenfield, Zornman Croons, James Casson, uh, Casson Stuart Holding, and then, uh, yeah, Rosalie uh, Simonich, thank you, that's super generous of you, and extraordinarily generous, as always. Thank you so much, Linda Moulton. Let's call them gold and platinum sponsors. Yeah. Uh, Rosalie and Linda, thank you very much. That, thank you so much. I, t- I think we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, you guys got to go to work. Because we have to go I to have work. to go mm. back to sleep. Um, <laughs> Did you really just get up to no, do this? No, no. I have stuff to do. Um, actually, I'm going to go rehearse, and I hope any listeners in LA will come out on Tuesday the 14th at Three Clubs on Vine Street in Hollywood. Tuesday the 14th. Oh, the new Cook show you're doing I, with Brian. Yeah, Guilty Treasure. We're bringing comedians and musicians on oh. to play the songs that they hate to love. Oh, cool. And we've got James Urbaniak, Maria Thayer from um, Those Who Can't, Forgetting Sir Marshall, uh, Chip Pope, and Jared Logan. 
Oh, that is cool. a very strong lineup. And a great band, great backing band. So come out uh, Tuesday the 14th at Three Clubs in Hollywood. Hey, Raj, where can our listeners find you and your work? Uh, I would say um, Twitter, sure. at underscore Raj Desai. I'm not the first Raj Desai. So you have an underscore before yeah. any of the letters. Yeah, I don't know why I went with that. So you Scar- haven't tried to fight at Raj Desai? I haven't, I guess. I just, I feel like I have the Scarlet underscore. I feel like there's a lot of Raj Desais. There are a lot. It's uh, The last name is not that common, but the first name is like, John of you know India, so right. Um, there's a good amount. I'm the number one Rajasai on the. Internet. Okay, well, this is <laughs> Twitter at Rajasai has four followers. Why can't you just? <laughs> yeah. He's private. Oh, private. Okay. Oh, okay. He probably got it like years ago. He yeah. just beat me to it, and then like the other. I always feel bad. There's a professor, like a really accomplished professor at like Georgetown, named Raj Desai, and I feel like. Uh, and like he must be looking at a, my like stupid videos, being like this fucking <laughs> guy, fucking Comedy Central <laughs> yeah. prick. Yeah, <laughs> there's an Andy Wood who's an amazing guitar player, yeah. and I sometimes put videos of my oh, meager guitar right, skills, right. Up on, <laughs> but sometimes things have more. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. Other Andy Wood is a way better guitarist. It's, uh, yeah, he's like yeah. a Nashville speed. Like it's crazy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know. People like my videos more than this guy. Yeah, can't argue with yeah. them. Uh, you, you should just try harder if you want to be yeah. a bit, just be a funnier professor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and check out um, Sarah Silverman's "I Love You, America." Yeah, on Hulu. it's on Hulu streaming now. Yeah, uh, and check out the Jim Jeffrey Show on Comedy Central. Um, I don't think I've got any fun live shows coming up to plug because I've been mostly writing, so I've just got little spots around town. I'll be back in London around Christmas. Maybe I'll do a gig. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, we will see you next week. Yeah, we definitely will. We'll have a longer episode for you, we promise. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.